Hey guys, welcome to the Swerve Church Podcast. My name is Danny, the lead pastor. I pray that the message that you're about to hear is encouraging, uplifting, and honestly challenging as well. I want to invite you to join us in person Sundays at 11 a.m. at the Swerve Hub at 239 Stanhope Street, or catch church online at 11 a.m. on our YouTube or Facebook page. Thanks so much for tuning in, and I pray that you're blessed by today's message and that it helps draw you closer to Jesus. When you find yourself in a difficult season, it's super easy to see the glass half empty. Even the most optimistic people during difficult times find it challenging to have a positive outlook on life. Let's be real, you're not always looking at the world through rose-colored glasses. Did you ever wake up in, in, a, in a great mood, ready to conquer the world with a positive outlook on life? But then one thing happened and it absolutely triggered you and it changed the trajectory of the rest of your day. How relatable is that, right? Like you, you stubbed your toe on the corner of the bed or dresser. Your, your spouse said that one word or that one phrase that irks you. The, the train is delayed 20 minutes and now you're crammed in like sardines into the train and you're ready to blow up at any given moment. You went from having a, a good mood to turning into the Grinch in no time flat. Now it impacts how you responded to the barista at Starbucks. You gave your coworkers a snarky remark. You, you got into it with your wife and kids, all because something shifted the way you felt. A situation negatively impacted you, and now everything and everyone else is set to feel your wrath. Honestly, it's re- really easy to have our attitude determine the perspective by which we view the rest of the world. And of course, never mind here in New York City, where everyone else's bad attitude or bad day is essentially more contagious than COVID. And there's no vaccine for that, right? There's no treatment. You can't get a rapid test and be diagnosed with your negative outlook on life. And in today's passage, Paul is gonna challenge us to have a different outlook, a different perspective, a perspective that is not determined by our situations or the challenges that we face or the people that we come across. We're going to be challenged to have a gospel perspective. I want you guys to remember that as Paul is penning these words to his dear friends in Philippi, he's doing it from Roman imprisonment. His freedoms have been stripped away from him, not for doing something illegal, not for murder, not for embezzlement, but for sharing the gospel. And if anyone had a reason to be mad at the world, you would probably give a pass to Paul. So today we're going to see how we can have a gospel perspective or a gospel outlook on life because this was the attitude of Paul, okay? Here's the first thing. A gospel perspective helps you to see gospel opportunities even in trying times. And here's the thing. It's it's quite easy for us in moments of trial to pull the whole woe is me card, right? I'm the victim. I'm the one that needs help. Everyone else is out to get me. When we're in the middle of, of a difficult time or season, We can so easily get caught up and and engulfed by that challenge that it's all that we see and it's all that we're surrounded by. But for Paul, he didn't see his imprisonment as as a curse as much as he did a blessing for others. The gospel perspective or the gospel outlook on life allowed him to see beyond his current circumstances and see all the gospel opportunities the Lord was giving him. Check out what he writes to the church in Philippi in chapter 1, verses 12 through 13. Now, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually advanced the gospel. 
so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to everyone else that my imprisonment is because I am in Christ. So here's Paul, freedom stripped away, his voice seemingly silenced, and yet his perspective is all this actually is actually for the advancing of the gospel. Because now the imperial guards, these Roman soldiers that they have to keep watch and make sure he doesn't escape. And Paul seizes the opportunity to begin to chew their ears off with the gospel. He's like, yo, they, they never let me walk up into the palace and share the gospel with you guys. Nice to meet you. My name's Paul. Let me tell you about Jesus. Oh, how long is your shift? 12 hours? All right, great. Plenty of time to talk to you about Jesus. You see, Paul saw this trying season, this difficult season in his life, as an opportunity for the gospel to flourish. He says that the gospel is spreading throughout the imperial guard and that they know the reason he's in prison is not for some heinous or wicked or scandalous crime, but because of Jesus. So now the guards can be like, hold up, why are we guarding this guy? Because of this message? What's so bad about that? And now Paul's got their attention and the gospel is spreading. His predicament was a mere opportunity for the gospel. In your life, you will have the opportunity to look at your trying seasons, your moments of afflictions, as either an opportunity for a pity party or for gospel growth. Which will it be? Some of you, perhaps, you came in and you're facing some trying times right now, either at work or at home with family or professionally at work or physically with some ailment or pain. What perspective will you have? Will you allow that trial to so engulf you that it is all you think about, all you worry about, all you talk about? Or will you seek out gospel opportunities hidden below the surface of your problems? Are you able to see those opportunities the Lord would give you to be a faithful witness to the gospel despite what you're going through? Could you communicate to others how God remains faithful even in your hardship? Can you point people to Jesus even in the good, bad, and ugly? For Paul, he made up his mind that he would see gospel opportunities even in trying times. Even in the most challenging, difficult, and isolating of seasons, he would have a gospel perspective that would help him see gospel opportunities. Here's the second thought from today's passage, and that is that a gospel perspective helps you to, number two, reject envy and celebrate others. They say that if you place a bunch of crabs into a bucket, you don't have to put a lid on it. You don't have to worry about crabs escaping because when one begins to climb up out of the bucket and approach his escape, one of his crab brothers will pull him down in their attempt to get out. Sometimes that's how we are as people and as a society oftentimes. We cringe at seeing the success of others. Our hearts fill with envy at the sight of the promotion of others. How easy would it be for Paul to sit in his imprisonment and think about all the people uh, he's getting word of that are preaching the gospel and that their ministries are booming and that their churches are growing and, that, and yet he's stuck, possibly awaiting a far more severe punishment for doing the same thing. How easy would it be to allow envy and jealousy to creep up into one's heart from that perspective, from a place of despair, of loneliness and suffering? But because Paul has a gospel perspective, he doesn't allow his current circumstances to keep him from celebrating God's work and God's message being spread in and through other people. He goes on to write in verse 14 and say this, 
Most of the brothers have gained confidence in the Lord from my imprisonment, and they're even more to speak the word fearlessly. Paul essentially says, yo, because of what I'm going through, from my position of limitation and suffering, other people are flourishing and thriving. And because of that, the gospel is spreading. What an amazing outlook. One that celebrates the success of others. One that celebrates the advancement of the gospel. One that celebrates the fact that the message of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, the message of hope, forgiveness, and love that can be experienced through Jesus is being spread. And to have that connected to the affliction of Paul, and yet for him to celebrate it, is nothing short of absolutely amazing and mind-blowing. One commentator on this passage He puts it this way, the way you overcome your wicked jealousy is by caring more for Jesus' glory than your own. Let the glory of Christ be your chief concern. And for Paul, his chief concern was that Christ would be glorified. Then not only that, but then in in verses 15 to 18, he really blows our minds. Check, Check this out. He begins to talk to a group of Christians or talk about a group of Christians that are preaching Jesus, but they're doing so from a place of wrong motives. They're actually doing it from a place of rivalry and selfish ambition. But Paul doesn't waste ink in his letter to bash them. Instead, he says this in verse 18. What does it matter? Only that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is proclaimed. And in this I rejoice. Paul realizes that these guys, even though their motives were twisted, were still preaching the gospel. And because Paul has a gospel perspective, his heart doesn't stoop down to their level. He doesn't respond with envy. Instead, he rejoices that regardless, the gospel of Jesus Christ is being preached. What an important lesson for us. You know, Around the world and here in our community, there are many churches that are faithfully proclaiming the gospel. And we should be able to celebrate that. We can't be stuck saying, you know, that the the way we do church and the way we teach the gospel is so amazing. All these other churches and all these other leaders, man, they suck and we're the best. No way. A gospel perspective does not allow envy, jealousy, and contention to fester in our hearts. We need to be about a bigger kingdom than our own little circle or methodology or denomination or tribe. We need to understand that the body of Christ is diverse and where Christ is being unapologetically preached, we need to celebrate it. Now, let me be clear. There are false teachers. There are false gospels. There are false movements that teach wrong doctrine. The Bible is extremely clear. Those need to get called out and rejected We cannot entertain ideas that are contrary to what we see in the scripture. But those who agree with it and, and preach the core fundamental beliefs and teaching of the scriptures, we're on the same team. So with the gospel perspective, we can celebrate the fact that the gospel is spread regardless. In your life, can you adopt this gospel outlook and not harbor bitterness and resentment when you see others prosper or succeed? What would it look like for you to celebrate the success of others instead of bottling up envy? For Paul, despite being limited and even in his season of suffering, his gospel perspective 
allowed him to reject envy and to celebrate others. Lastly, a gospel perspective helps you, number three, see your life for God's glory. For many of us, if we're extremely honest, we live our lives essentially for the glory of self. You may never admit that with your lips, but it is demonstrated by how you live your life, the decisions you make, the thought process behind your choices, what you spend your money on, where you decide to live, the career path that you're on. Very seldom do we pause to think, what does God want to do with my life? We're groomed from an early age to think that you can be whatever you want to be. If you want to be successful, if you want to be rich and and achieve the American dream, you can do it. You are your only limitation. Sky's the limit. But where does God fall into all of this? And what about when you plan for your life to be one way, but you face all these bumps in the road and then life ends up taking a different course? Or what about this? You achieve all your goals. You accomplish everything you set out to do, and yet you still feel empty and purposeless. You find that meeting those goals and crossing those thresholds didn't quite give you the satisfaction that you thought it would. We have a severe problem here, guys. And it's that we often err on the side of living for the glory of self over the glory of God. And when you live for the glory of self, you take credit for the seasons of blessing and punish yourself for the seasons of grief. You're unable to see how both seasons can be used beyond the scope of your life. For Paul, it could have been easy in his current season to wallow in grief, to be angry or upset at God, to have a legitimate excuse to pause the work of sharing the gospel and encouraging churches and raising new leaders and sending leaders. But he had a gospel perspective which gave him a greater scope and sequence beyond the limitations of his current circumstances. And so he writes some of the most gangster words in the Bible. He says this, My eager expectation and hope is that I will not be ashamed about anything, but that now as always, with all courage, Christ will be highly honored in my body, whether by life or by death. Paul realized he was living for a greater glory than his own. For Paul, the greatest legacy he could leave behind was not a big house or a fat inheritance or Paul's Bible school of ministry. The greatest legacy he could leave behind is a gospel legacy. It's that ultimately God got the glory whether through his life or through his death. Now the temptation for us is to read this through our modernized Western lenses where we're living in relatively comfortable living situations. We've got food on the table, a sofa to sit on. We've got a church we can go to where you can have coffee and eat snacks and listen to the music we like. And we don't have to worry about someone coming in here and telling us that we can't preach the gospel, right? We have civil liberties and we have freedom of speech. But for Paul, his life was quite literally on the line. He's awaiting word from Rome to find out whether or not he will be released or brought back to a a Roman prison, or worse still, executed for proclaiming the gospel. And in that period of waiting, all Paul cares about is that God would get the glory, whether in his life or in his death. All he cares about is that the message of Christ would be spread, whether by his life or his death. By the way, this is yet another bit of evidence that we have to know that what we believe is legit. Who would lay down their life for a lie? 
If Jesus wasn't who he claimed to be, if the authors of the New Testament didn't witness with their own eyes and experience Jesus, why would they live their lives as martyrs? Why would you give up your life for a lie? But Paul realized that no matter what, God would get the glory. Is that the attitude that you have about your life? Or are you caught up living for the glory of self? A gospel perspective would help you see that God is the author of life, that His His plan and will for your life is far greater than anything you can possibly draw up for yourself. A gospel perspective will help you live for something and someone greater than self, to the one who can get glory in life or death. Here's the thing, guys. God wants to get the glory through your life. He wants so much more for you than a life of comfort or wealth or professional success. And none of that is inherently evil or sinful. Please don't misunderstand me. But that God wants to use all of it for His glory and for the advancement of the gospel. So what is your perspective? Right now, in whatever season you find yourself in, whether it's a season of pain or a season of promotion, whether it's a season of confusion or a season of comfort, what if we had a gospel perspective? Lord, I pray that you would help us to see the gospel opportunities even within seasons of difficulty in our lives. We want to be a people, God, that celebrates others, especially fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. Help us to reject envy and to partner with others in the gospel. Lord, I pray you empower us to live life for your glory, not simply for self. Help us to live for a greater purpose and a greater meaning, God, to reject the desires of this flesh, but to accomplish your purpose and to live our lives with the gospel perspective. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Guys, I truly pray and hope that you were challenged and encouraged by today's message. I want to take a second to invite you to join us in person. We're gathering this Sunday at 11 a.m. at the Swerve Hub, 239 Stanhope Street, right here in Bushwick, Brooklyn. And come on over, join us, come to the Swerve Hub. Let's worship together. Let's get together. Let's worship God together. Let's learn and grow together. Let's fellowship together. Why don't you come on out and join us in person this Sunday?